Mr. Dennis, we have another emergency podcast. We had a huge piece of news coming out. Not the most shocking, I would say, in my opinion, but still, uh, it kind of rocked the tennis world to its core. That's that Roger, our famous Roger Federer, decided to announce his retirement, kind of overdue with all these knee problems and injuries. And uh, it's just he's been trying to get back on the tour and it's not been working for him. And now he's playing his last tournament at the Labor Cup. What did you feel when you got the message? I'm between two minds because obviously the guy is is one of the goats, if not the goat. He made this whole thing. It's, it's one of the most technical, one of the one of the hardest, most grinding sports ever. He just made this sport look effortless. And you know, at the end of the day, it just it just um, with his knee problems, it just uh, feels like he's 41 now. So you know, for him, yeah, he just decided that it's not going to work, which which is the sensible thing to do. I've written a letter on on your website to him. There, I say that I'm not his biggest fan, and that's that's an overstatement because I I never really rooted for him. Uh, it dates back to the days when when he beat Sampras, who's my my absolute idol when I was when I was growing up, and you know a, a new kid on the block with his ponytail and you know his his sort of really cool demeanor and all that. And I and I just I just felt like who's this kid? Like what is he doing? How can he beat Sampras on his back soil? And what what is what is going on? So for me, as I say, I'm between two minds because obviously he is such a spectacle to see and and he's such a great great character on and off the court. It's it's a shame. But you know look, he's 41. Uh he won everything. He won 103 ATPs. And I've just seen it yesterday. Uh, Tipsarovic uh, put it up on his uh, feed uh, or his or his stories in on Facebook is that he never retired one match, never retired. That's just crazy. Yeah, that's uh, one of those records that are easily overlooked with all the, the other numbers and stuff. I mean, for me, he was the guy that brought me back into tennis after quitting as a as a kid, then starting to play uh, after seeing a lot of his matches uh, during when he was kind of becoming number one and and then kind of dominating for a few years so for me it was like the god the legend and everything and then my my feeling when rafa came was oh no this guy is, is stealing the glory of roger and then you dislike rafa but after a while you can't keep disliking rafa it's just impossible so those two are my top top dogs top goats then obviously Novak proved himself as well, but I'm not as much a fan of Novak as I am of these two guys. It's just a, a case of being so much involved in the game during the time when he had his like best period. He, he was so dominant and it's obviously a tennis that's very easy on the eyes, right? Very pleasing. It's not so technical or grinding or clever really, but it's just this dominant thing and it's it's when it works it's absolutely amazing to watch we are really really lucky that we are living in a time when when the three goats are still active a further one more week and and obviously one of them is gone and and you know we we talked about it before the the pod and and that sort of thing that obviously rafa is the next in line because you know he's really injury prone and and you just don't know what to expect and all that i'm i'm really happy to uh to have witnessed everything what roger did and 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 how he made this sport look easy and his legacy is the labor cup as well which is uh, which is crazy we wanted to go but the tickets were pretty pretty insane in the beginning as well and then then we just decided that it's just not going to worth it now i'm a bit uh, i'm a bit angry that we haven't bought tickets because now i've heard that the tickets are going for 10 times as more as what what you bought it in the first place so the 
you know it was over two hundred quid, uh, and I would we could sell it easily for like two thousand, which which would be a pretty good investment, really. I mean, we can talk about you know his serve, his his forehand, his backhand, his volleys, and everything, but. All, all these special highlight reels, and, and the other thing which which always comes to me as when when I think about Federer is his drop shot against Burdick, and I think it was in Indian Wells, which was such a high velocity, it, it was almost like a lob, and then it just sort of Burdick couldn't even move because it, it was just uh, uh, rolling back to the net. So you know the guy is a magician. Um, I'm really hoping that he's going to be playing at least like exhibitions in like, um, you know, the tennis masters and, you know, these uh, senior tours um, on, on grand slams. And, and, you know, I know that it's not singles, but he won the Olympics in doubles with Wabrinka, haven't they? I mean, that's, that's, that's a pretty good thing as well that the big four, because I still believe that it's the big four. Yes. I know Murray, you know, he's, he's, he's a bit different and he didn't finish with, I don't know, 15 slams, although that was down to Novak and 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 his uh, grit and determination. Because uh, for Murray, it was really un- unfortunate that uh, he's the same sort of person and same sort of player as Novak, but Novak is a little bit better than him. So yeah. that's why that's why Murray finished with three, and obviously he won Wimbledon twice, and you know he was world number one. It was a strange year as when when Murray became world number one because it was like. Everyone was injured. Novak just lost his faith towards tennis. And then Murray was just there and took his opportunity. And then he, bless him, he just got injured. Um, I've just seen them. She was with Salisbury and they played against Middlecup and uh, Kulhoff. Wow. Uh, everyone, please check out the highlight reel. It has been an unbelievable match. But yeah, so, you know, it's, it's going to be a, an amazing farewell for Fred, Federer in, in London in the O2 where he had so much success on the um, the ATP finals. I'm hoping to see him more and more around the court, you know, if, if with on. I don't think he will take on coaching. I just I just cannot see him take on coaching and, oh, I don't know, travel with Musetti or something like that. I just, I just cannot see no, him do that. No, maybe when he gets far older, just for fun. But no, no, I don't think so now. I think it's more focused on kids and, and business. I mean, he has been very successful with all his business engagements over the years. Uh, thanks to Tony Goldstick, partly, you know, it's been a, a pretty fruitful partnership. Amirka has been doing her magic work in the background. I think he has a pretty solid team overall, and I think his his business stuff will have, will have a focus. But he, as he wrote in his letter that he will stay in tennis, he loves tennis and will stay close to tennis. And I think one of the things he's really driven is to kind of change the sport somehow. Like, you, I mean, pushing Labor Cup, maybe coming up with some other ways to improve ATP or, or something. And if you can get involved on that level, I think it would be very good kind of as a strong ambassador and, and please, spokesperson. Please, Jonas, uh, write a letter to him about the European um, <laughs> Bundes, <laughs> Bundesliga. The Champions <laughs> League of Tennis, I mean, yeah. Yeah, the Champions League of Tennis. I just love that idea. I have to say it every podcast that I just love that idea. So hopefully someone will actually come up with that. And maybe maybe Federer after yesterday. I think your your picture, what you put on, on Instagram was was one of the most liked pictures of tennis nerd ever on Instagram, wasn't it? When you were uh you have that um, picture with, with Roger. Yeah, yeah. And, I just uh, I just like put it up uh one more time because I felt like this is the last time I'll I'll use this image. No, but it was it was cool, obviously meeting uh a legend and a hero. I met both Rafa and Roger. They're both 
class acts, you know, very easy to talk to actually. And the criticism he received over the years was that he had, he was too polished, right? I think that it's like, he was almost like a politician, but when you meet him in person, it, it's not quite that, like he's a bit more joking and playful. I think you noted about his humor in your um, message there on, on tennisner.net. And I think that's very clear. Like when you talk to him face to face, he's very humorous, kind of playful guy. He's not at all like this politician guy, you know, it's not, you don't get that feeling at all. But I think a lot of people that are critical towards him are that they, he, they don't think he's honest or he's just staying away from drama. But I think it's just his personality that is like this. I, I don't think it's too much of a manufactured uh, approach. And that's what I like both. And also with Rafa, for example, Rafa is just Rafa always. He has, I don't think he has any kind of persona he's trying to play, which is nice. You know, you want to have them be at their personality, which Rafa does really well. And it's quite funny, actually, sometimes. So, um, no, for me, for me, that was amazing to meet like a guy that brought me back into tennis and the, the number one player I like to watch. It's just the end of an era, but it's, it's, it's okay. I think it's people who are getting too upset. This is missing a little bit of the point. I think it's time as well, right? I mean, he's, it's Alcaraz coming, you know, it's tennis is in good hands uh, and he has been away, you know, and, and the knee injury is one of the worst things to get back from. I mean, Mario did it with the hip, which is amazing. I complete crazy achievement to do that. But you look at like Del Potro, even Vavrinka is struggling. Like the, the, when the knee starts being a problem, it's not easy to play at the top level. It's that's simply the case. I was uh, joking yesterday with one of my friends uh, saying that uh, Carlitos just um, had an interview and he was saying that he would love to still play Federer. <laughs> when Federer heard that, he just <laughs> announced his retirement. Knee injuries are horrific. Both of us, I think you you had some knee knee problems. I I do have some knee problems. I'm I'm a I'm a pretty big bloke, so you know for me, obviously, uh, knee is a problem because I'm I'm serving quite big as well, so I have to go up. And obviously, where where do you do that if not your knees? And uh, you know because of of the lateral movement, what you have in tennis. The knee is under so much pressure that I think even even Roger couldn't couldn't just say that yeah I'm just gonna do it um, yeah we'll see how it goes because if he would have come back he really wanted to win he didn't just want to you know lose in the the round of sixteen or he didn't want to lose in the semifinals per se it's he's such a natural winner as well and that's that's what he wanted to do and just didn't feel that. He, could actually do it that's why he he decided that the the best way of 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 going out is is not Basel it's it's his own idea uh, of the labor cup and it will be loads of fun I think it's it's pretty competitive though so I don't know if if he will actually play singles as well I don't think he will he might do when the whole thing is up but I don't really think he will play anything else that maybe just the fun dubs with with all the big four every night or something like that or two if if the knee is problematic then you know labor cup is is competitive so it's not like an exhibition they they want to win it i don't think that the team world has a chance because that i you know they, they they're just not good enough like we're talking about the four uh, arguably the four best player of of this generation and and three of them the best player ever what I can say about Federer is, is that guy deserves to be everywhere, seen by everyone. And, and when, whenever, you know, people will be talking about tennis in, I don't know, 15, 20, 30, 50 years later, it has to be Federer uh, to be shown how 
how easy he made this all look. And I even mentioned, you know, his, his old racket, his first F90, which is just absolutely crazy that everyone was playing with their 100 square inch head size rackets with a lot of spin. He was just playing with this 90 square inch and, and it was really visible in his, in his uh, last few years be before he actually switched to the 97 is that he was, he was shanking a lot. Yeah, and he was being overpowered a lot. Like, I mean, obviously, Rafa is the toughest guy on the backhand wing with the 90. Uh, and that was quite clear. Uh, he, and he was shanking a lot on that side. He, sometimes he shanked a bit on the forehand. You can argue that the forehand was even more lethal uh, in a way, but he got less power. Like, it was pretty clear when he got the bigger head size with a slightly different stiffness that it, it was just more powerful for him. And then he could start playing a bit more aggressively, even, he, even more volleys, even more, you know, saber attack he just put even more focus on playing fewer points. And I think that saved him for as long as it could that he had such an aggressive style. He was going for four or five shots. I don't even know how like Rafa holds up as a physical being, right? Because he's played so many matches, so many hours. I mean, Federer at least found a way to, to win faster and use more the serve, which I think helped him play these 1500 matches, which is insane that you can even have that kind of number. You know, as a professional athlete, but so I think that helped him a bit. But yeah, then you have still Rafael Novak still going. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, impressive. Yeah, you, you don't know can... for how long. You don't know for how long, but you know, we have to cherish every day until these guys are playing. Uh, we mentioned that Novak will be back in the Aussie Open, it seems, which is great, which which uh, gives another flavor to this whole thing with the, with the new kids on the block and yeah. and all that. It's a shame that uh, he, he just opted out on not playing the uh, Serbian Davis Cup team this week because uh, Davis Cup is on them. We haven't touched that yet. We will talk about Federer, I think, next week as well because, uh, you know, we will, we will reflect on the uh, Labor Cup and how it goes. I think it's just amazing that, um, that what he gave to tennis and, and he will be obviously never, never forgotten what, what he, what he did on the tennis court. We just, uh, we just touched base on, on what is happening this week, which is also the Davis cup, which, which we haven't talked about. And this is such a weird format now. What, what is going on, right? We, we just sort of lost interest, both of us. Yeah. I, I don't really understand. I think it's hard to keep track. Like you had the old format with these matches. They were traveling quite a lot, obviously it was strenuous on the players and, and to arrange the, the thing, but it was such an important event. Everybody who played in it loved it. The crowds went bananas when, you, you know, they had a home match. It was just such a, an event, a spectacle. Now I can't even keep up with this different stages, you know, their groups and stages. I mean, groups, they always were, but now they do the qualifying to then go to the main event. And yeah, I can't, my, my friend is, is there stringing for the Swedish team. Uh, Henrik, who writes for Tennis Nerd and joins this podcast sometimes as well. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I, even though there's like an interest and I keep in touch with him, I can't keep up with, with what's going on really like in scores and what, who qualifies for what it's, it's just changing something that's been around for so long in such a drastic way, I think is quite dangerous for the interest. You know, the Davis cup had a special atmosphere all the time. If, if you look at all those five setters and, and, you know, the, the crazy final sets and, and, you know, Un, unsung heroes could come along. And in Hungary, we, we talked about John Boy Piroš many times now on the podcast because I, I really like his style and, and what he did. And, and we played the uh, Ukraine yesterday and the day before, and, and we beat them. It was a, it was a really second fiddle uh, Ukrainian team. 
uh, obviously no more Dolgopolov and no more Stahovsky. So, you know, they, they were obviously, you know, great stars of the Ukrainian team. Now they're gone. They're just like between four and 600 on the ATP. So they're not going to be challenging Fuchovic or, or John Borfiroch. I don't like it. I don't know why these gladiators, and, and we are talking about obviously, you know, top 50, top 10, top five players who, who played the Davis Cup. Uh, but I think they lost interest as well. If you look at Nadal, if you look at Novak, if you look at like even Roger, if 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 it would be the old format, he might have said, "Yeah, I'm just going to play some doubles, uh, maybe in the Davis Cup," because he maybe wanted to win it for the last time. But what I wanted to say as well is that um, the big four, actually, all of them won the Davis Cup, which is another achievement, which is great to see. But now the Davis Cup is gone, and and it's just such a shame. We we've been to Turin last year to to check out the Hungarian players. Look, it, it was good atmosphere. I mean, the stadiums weren't full, not even on the Italian games, matches. And it's just such a shame. That's that's why that's why some of, of tennis shouldn't be touched. Like, you know, it shouldn't be a, a, a no ad or receiver's choice in singles. There shouldn't be there shouldn't be three best of three um, formats in Grand Slams. Cause you know when when we talked about Carlos last week. It was the same thing. Like Carlos maybe would have lost in the third round. Maybe that would have been a different scenario altogether. We don't know. But, you know, these like Grand Slams should be five sets. They should go the distance. I I, I don't mind the, the final set tiebreak. I really don't. I think it, it actually makes it easier for the players. Because, you know, if, if, if uh, I remember the Eisner Ma'u uh, match in, in Wimbledon, which uh, finished 70-68 in the fifth set, that was a bit over the top. You know, some things shouldn't be changed, and the Davis Cup was one of those things. And I know that massive, massive amount of money injection is behind it uh, by the footballer Gerard Piquet and all that. But yeah, I, I was, I was really sad to see that format go. Definitely, the players I think felt like it was kind of, and a huge event was robbed from them. And I think the players who didn't manage to win it while it was in its original form. Kind of, I think they felt like they 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 missed out a bit because you know even like you said Roger Rafa Novak Murray they all won and they all really put in an effort to win the event but now once they've done it I think in this format I don't think the interest is there anymore partly they've won it already and they focus on singles but it's also maybe not really quite the same and uh, that that's it's a sad sad thing and I I'm getting back to Labor Cup like I went there in, in 2019 that event felt much more spectacular than I, I thought it would like because it's just uh you know obviously star started event there's so many different top players there but the the production of the event is the most amazing part they actually put in like this nba you go to an nba courtside match that's how it feels it feels better than a grand slam you know and uh, so i was very impressed by how well it was produced obviously the issue is that the teams are always kind of unevenly matched at least on paper so the issue of, of Team Europe and Team World is that you're going to have Team Europe winning like <laughs> eight times in a row, maybe. We don't know. Uh, hopefully not. But uh, that's the risk of that event. It seems to be doing really well. It seems like Davis Cup is, is struggling a bit. And I, the ATP Cup, I don't even know where to place in all this. Uh, that's that's not a, not a bad thing, I don't think, the ATP Cup, to be fair. But 2020 was the first ATP Cup, I think. And, and obviously, it was like sort of COVID, and it started the whole thing, and there was the fires in, in Down Under and all that. 
Um, so it, it, it was a bit of a weird one, but I'll get back to that one. But what I wanted to say, and sorry for the interruption, was um, was that um, the Ryder Cup is a bit sort of uneven as well, which is the Golf's Labor Cup, for you to say, although the Ryder Cup has been there forever. The, um, the United States is obviously a lot stronger than the European team. And because of that, it's it's always a bit uneven, but you know the chances are are the same that maybe they will they will find some form. We're talking about so uh, technical stuff as well in both sports, and and I really like the comparison because I think it's it's actually quite close to each other in terms of like uh, a lot of lot of guys play. Like Rafa is an amazing golf player, and there's there's quite a few guys like I've seen um, Zizou Bergs, who's a really exciting talent actually, Zizou. He, he played some golf as well, and his swing looked immaculate from what I could gather. And look out for that name, because I think he, he can be actually a pretty good, pretty good top 50, top 30 player if he actually puts it together, because he's, he's really athletic. He's, he's a good player. Zizou. So, so back to the ATP Cup. I think it's a good idea, but it's the same as the Davis Cup just in January. So I don't really get it, like why you play that. And the first, first uh, inaugural... Um, ATP Cup was was like that, like you know, Medvedev played, Rublev played. It was Hachanov as well, and sorry, maybe Hachanov wasn't there. It was Karatsev who was there. Rafa, Novak, so all of them like were there, and all of them played, and it was a proper event. The second one wasn't as interesting. It's not a bad idea. Just um, before the Aussie Open, it's it sounds a bit sort of like rapid next to each other so i don't think it's a bad idea it's just more about like what how you actually produce it the labor cup is something which is quite the spectacle and i think it's a good format i think it it, it actually is sort of a the the rider cup of tennis it's exciting and it's it's gonna be great to see and obviously this will be like the biggest event this year's uh, calendar as well, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, because obviously Roger is is gonna say goodbye to the crowd. And also, they they did announce that they were all uh, all the big four were gonna play in one team. And I think when they decided that, Roger already knew that he was retiring, right? I think it was a joint thing, like let's you know have a proper farewell. Okay, let's get Andy Novak, Rafa, and Roger on the same team. I think it's obviously something that was planned a while ago. Because uh, these knee issues have been going, going for a long time. So it's pretty clear that they wanted to make a big bang. And it's obvious that, you know, the interest in that event is huge. And just getting tickets is not easy. I, I was checking just online before Roger announced it. And it was, like you said, £2,000 for a normal kind of ticket, you know, for a normal see, It wasn't any VIP uh, lounge stuff going on. It was just like a normal. But yeah, it will be fun to watch on TV at least. So uh, Davis Cup. We're not going to watch, <laughs> or maybe not, I will see. <laughs> uh, I'm interested to hear if the listeners watch their teams in Davis Cup or if they follow it. I think it depends a little bit on how nationalistic in sports you are. I'm not, like, I'm not really the guy who follows Swedish football matches or Swedish Davis Cup matches. I, I can just come out and say I, I don't really care that much about the, the national team. Uh, but I know a lot of people are very much into uh, national teams and, and follow it. And I moved away from my home country 15, 16 years back. I lived abroad before that. So you lose a little bit of that, you know, connection where everything on TV is about the national athletes and stuff like that. So I think that influenced me. 
Uh, so right, I more like I connect with a kind of individual, right? I like Roger, for example, or someone like, okay, this guy, I like watching him or Alcaraz or, or a player that's just spectacular, even curious, you know, and then, oh, I'm going to go for this guy. He's, he's fun to watch instead of a, of a team. That, that's just me. For me, it's obviously different because I know most of the players who play on the Davis Cup team. I was in, in constant contact with, with a few of them. Like um, there was a, a great article as well about Fabi on um, on the ATP um, website. Fabian Morjan, I'm talking about, and um, and he just won his first challenger against Jumor, which we which we talked about in uh, Bosnia. The kid is is pretty good, and and it's quite funny because I I've been known him since he was like I don't know six, and and it sounds so crazy that now I'm the old guy with my with my 37 and and I'm saying that yeah I used to play with your father and that sort of thing and and I actually used to play quite a bit with his father who's just a recreational lovely lovely guy um recreational tennis player and um you know he he actually just gave his love of the game rather than you know any sort of crazy crazy advice and and that sort of thing so it's it's good to see you know for me it's still it's still important um, to, to follow the Hungarians, and you know whenever we play the finals, I'm gonna be possibly be there. I have followed them, and and I have seen what what they are uh, capable of. Like for example, last year in Turin, Pirosh beats Milman and Chilic, and he was still outside the top 200 when he when he did that feat. And if you if you think about it, that's just that's just absolutely insane. And that's why the Davis Cup should be still kept up. And that's why the Davis Cup should still be alive. Can we just go back to the original format, please? I think it was um, a financial decision, right? Like they, they couldn't make it work. I get that as well from a practical point of view. Like, you know, money rules the world. Uh, but still, like, it, it's a sad thing when, when you have like such a long-standing tradition. But I guess for the federations to all do all the travel and blah, 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 you know, it's to get the players to play on certain dates and, and the scheduling. And yeah, I understand that the format was a struggle, but I don't know if this format is just a matter of like getting used to it or if it's just kind of ruined the thing. You know, sometimes you, you get negative just because you feel like, oh, this is new. They changed it. You know, I just liked how it was. And then you need to get used to it. But in this case, yeah, we'll see. You know, time will tell if, if people get used to it and it starts getting more interesting over the years and uh, same with david with the, the atp cup you know format is good scheduling whenever anything is scheduled ahead of a grand slam like two weeks i think it's a exhibition tournament like that that's how you feel about it like it's oh the grand slam is the big thing so this atp cup is an exhibition if they put it somewhere else in the calendar you would be like okay this is a big thing now it's the atp cup they finish the year with the atp cup like to do atp finals for example that would make sense now they have the big team tournament to end end the year or something but but when it's like just a week, it's like Hopman Cup. It's like an exhibition, you know. Yeah, I agree. And first edition was was pretty good. Uh, you know, as I say, uh, in the end, Novak and and Serbia won it, and and they played Rafa in the final and Spain, and and it was it was a great match as well. I remember that. Um, as I say, uh, yeah, it was twenty twenty. Now I just remember because it was still before COVID, and and it was uh, it was an interesting interesting idea, and I think came came along pretty well. But then after it, you know, people just realize what you say that the the Aussie Open is is the main thing. So that's that's what you should be focusing on rather than the ATP Cup. So you know, they obviously went to Sydney or to went went to either to uh, to Auckland, whatever. There's a tournament. Oh, and one more thing, which we have, which which I sent to you yesterday, is that the Challenger Tour is actually um, changing a little bit for the better. 
they're increasing the prize monies and 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 they they are actually um, trying to put some more effort into it. I don't really get it that if the future is still going to be on, so there will be like a 15 and 25K uh, tournaments or that will be part of uh, the Challenger Tour and it will be 60,000 at least because I think that's the, that's the bottom bottom bit of it. But yeah, it's it's pretty exciting, and and I and I was actually really happy to to hear that that um, Andrea Gaudenzi, president of the ATP, full stop. Yeah, yeah, the, the chairman, uh, they call him. Yeah, 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 yeah chairman. Um, he he just announced these these changes, and I think it's it's definitely for the better because it will be worth again to be a tennis player, and maybe these guys can actually make a living. Maybe you know if it's if it's just from the hundred to the two hundred now then then we are then we are actually in, in the rise because at the moment as we talked about in one of the previous episodes he was the top 50 who could actually make a pretty decent living but it would be quite good to see that it maybe even the lower ranked players could could uh, make a living out of all this and to make tennis and 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 hopefully have the champions league of tennis as well soon that would be amazing no so great atp challenger tour next year it's going to be four event categories like 50 7500 and 125 they're going to have uh, 195 events which is a record number so it's it's all kind of positive like 60% more prize money and that's a very positive note i think to to end this podcast because uh, yeah everything positive in tennis we talked about alcaraz now Challenger Tour gets some injection. I think it's always good to, to end on the positive. Thank you, Jonas, and everyone should have a good day. Yes, thanks, Dennis, for talking as always. Uh, we'll, we'll talk next week, see after Labor Cup, see how this event was. Have a nice day now. Enjoy yourself. Cheers.